0: You're listening to 3 in 30 Takeaways for Moms, and this episode is sponsored by Daily Harvest, a meal delivery service that provides sustainably sourced, chef-crafted food built on fruits and vegetables. Oh, summertime. Without fail, I have idealistic dreams of life slowing down and just enjoying the long days with my kids. As it turns out, life is still quite the same in the summer, with lots of moving parts and busyness. Daily Harvest is helping me start the day with quick, nourishing, and delicious breakfasts. It feels like such a treat to have something waiting for me in the freezer. I love the strawberry and peach smoothie, and they also have delicious oat bowls called forager bowls. My very favorite flavor is the cinnamon and banana bowl. It has butternut squash, and so it's extra nourishing and filling. Daily Harvest also has tons of options for later in the day like flatbreads, soups, and bites too. We all deserve easy mornings. Let Daily Harvest give you one less thing to worry about. Go to dailyharvest.com slash 3 and 30 to get up to $65 off your first box. That's dailyharvest, D-A-I-L-Y-H-A-R-V-E-S-T dot com slash 3 and 30 for up to $65 off your first box. dailyharvest.com slash 3 and 30 Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast to help you feel more like yourself within your motherhood. Each 30-minute episode features three actionable takeaways to help you become a more self-assured mom, someone who knows yourself, honors your needs, and loves your people. Listen in to feel encouraged as we learn together how to overcome overwhelm and find more magic in motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. I'm so glad you're here. When I was a teenager, I would talk to my parents about everything, probably more than they wanted to know a lot of the time. That might not surprise you based on how freely I spill my guts on this podcast, but I know that most teenagers are not this way. What are your children like? Are they eager to talk or are they more hesitant? A commonly requested topic for the show is parenting teens, and Brooke Romney is honestly one of the very first people who comes to mind when I think about this topic. Brooke has such incredible advice for parents on how to maintain connection during this phase of life that can sometimes feel a little tricky. She's a mom of four boys ages 20 to 11, a professional writer and speaker, and an all-around inspiring human being. For today's Encore episode, she's going to be teaching us how to talk with our teenagers instead of at them. This episode aligns so well with one of my pillars of self-assured motherhood, Love Your People. And I want to remind you that my Self-Assured Motherhood program will be opening for enrollment this fall. If you think you could benefit from diving deep into how to love your people well, just text the word SAM to 33777 for more information on my nine-month-long Self-Assured Motherhood program. I just finished teaching my second year of that curriculum, and it was incredible. I'd love to have you join us in the fall. So just text SAM to 33777. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Brooke Romney. Brooke, welcome back to 3 and 30. Thank
1: you, Rachel. I am so excited to be back with you. I just love 3 and 30, so it's an honor to be able to do this again.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time. I really feel like connection is at the heart of what you do, teaching people how to connect better. And I'm really glad that you're going to be teaching us how to connect better with our teens today. So I guess I just want to start by asking you, why you have the heart for this topic of connection and particularly with our teens.
1: Well, connection is to me the foundation of why we're here, right? You can do all kinds of wonderful things. You can uh, be a speaker, you can make a ton of money, but really to change the world takes connection with people, especially um, teens. I actually have four boys and I think having boys is... A wonderful thing but also a challenge when it comes to connection because they maybe aren't as interested in connection as their moms are and maybe even as their dads are and so um, I've had to really work hard at maintaining keeping a connection through those years so that we have a relationship that I enjoy and am proud of and hopefully that they enjoy and um, are proud of too
0: yeah I love that and I know you're like a very verbal person You love to write. You love to speak and share. Are your boys that way or not?
1: Well, some of them are and some of them aren't. And so that's why I think maybe I have a unique perspective because some of my boys are happy to share all of the time and love to engage and others are less interested. And so there's a variety of hopefully ideas for all kinds of parents and all kinds of teens to keep that connection no matter what their personality is.
0: So why don't we just go ahead and start with our first takeaway? Let's do it.
1: So my first takeaway is lecture less and listen more. So I think sometimes we forget that teenagers are people and they probably sail just like we do. So I like to use an example. If you had a friend where every time you got together with her, she basically told you all the things that she didn't like about you or were disappointing to her or that she hoped you would change would you want to open up to that friend or even spend any time with her? Like, of course not, right? Right. It sounds silly, but I think, especially as parents of teenagers, these this is the base of a lot of our conversations and interactions with our teenagers. Because here's the deal, they're falling short in a lot of areas and making us crazy. And they're at a point where we feel like they should be taking responsibility and doing some great things. And they really are. But we also feel such responsibility to make sure they're ready to be adults but we often fail to see, you know, the progress and just concentrate on the negative. And so when we think, when we say like, oh my gosh, my child never wants to talk to me. He never tells me anything. Or she, she always, she always talks to her aunt, but she never talks to me. You'll really evaluate yourself and say, okay, am I someone I would like to talk to? And so then I have some suggestions instead, like instead of, you know, always doing that correcting and which we sometimes have to do. But instead of that being the basis of our relationship, we can really change. things.
0: I'd love to hear some of your ideas. What can we do instead? Because you're so right. I would not want to be around someone who is constantly criticizing, nagging and pointing out all the ways I was falling short. so, (laughs) So what can we do? What can we do instead for our teenagers? So
1: one of the things that is simple, but is is to compliment them, take the opportunity to notice the good that they do and it sounds like something that's so easy, but it can be really hard in the teenage years um, because sometimes you see something good they do and then you realize that they've been watching YouTube for an hour. And so you're like, hey, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Why are you watching YouTube? Instead of, hey, thanks so much for getting the lawn mowed this morning and doing it early. I really appreciate that. You know, you just glide right over. So really concentrate on seeing their good and complimenting them. Mm. Another thing is to just get excited about their thing. And in a digital world, sometimes it can be a little hard because maybe their thing is like a new Snapchat filter, or maybe it's like something really funny on YouTube that you don't necessarily think is funny. Maybe it's a video game. Maybe it's who's dating whom or a new hairstyle that somebody has. And you're like, oh, I'm not really interested in that, you know, but you've got to get excited about the things they're excited about. Hmm. And this can take some effort and some practice, but it really is worth it doing. Um, They feel so validated when you think what they do and what they like is worth your time, worth your energy, worth your thoughts. So try your very best to engage in that. Another thing that I think is really important is when they do come to you with a frustration or a problem, it can be really easy as parents for us to be like, hey, like, fuck up, get over it, move along, that's not a big deal, you know, because you're trying to build resilience you're trying to you know help them understand that they they're better than that they can push past it but what i've really noticed is in order to build that love and trust and connection is normalizing what they're going through at these ages is so incredibly helpful so let's say your daughter comes to you and she has had a hard time with a friend instead of saying like oh you don't need that girl in your life she's not you know she's not worth your time mm-hmm. you say something like oh I remember how hard friendships were in junior high. You know, maybe tell her about a time when you struggled with one of your friends. Um, And then even say now, like, and you know what? A couple of weeks ago, my friends went to dinner. I didn't get an invite and that felt really bad too. So I really understand how you're feeling. Do you want to go do something with me? Is there a different friend you want to invite over tonight? We can watch a movie, you know, really normalizing what they're going through helps them to be able to come to you again when something like that happens instead of just vope or feel sad and depressed or feel lonely, like it really, really helps the relationship. So that's something that I think is really important when we are talking and connecting with our team.
0: I love I love the idea of um not just not just saying I remember back in the day when I felt that too, which I think is important yes. to say that, but to also say I still feel that. Oh. Like to 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 build a connection there by saying. I experienced that too. Our lives aren't so vastly different. We actually have a lot of similarities. I also think it's important to encourage them and say a lot of this stuff does go away when you're older. Like some of this hard stuff gets easier and you won't be dealing with that forever. But at the same time, I also get nervous about big things. I also feel sad when friends leave me out. I'm also afraid when I have to do this or that, you know, and so that connection is really there that we're not so different as you may think.
1: Well, and I loved the other day, you know, my husband was um, telling my boys about a work situation where he had a conflict with someone, you know, that he works with. And, you know, he talked to him about what he did and, you know, how he kind of humbled himself and went to the person and, and shared that experience. And it's not much different than, you know, when one of my kids has had a conflict with one of their teachers or someone that they thought was wronging them so really sharing like your experiences today and how you're getting through those and how how you work through conflicts with people or situations you know helping your kids understand that you were a person then and you are still a person now and you're easy to talk to and come to and you guys can work things out together
0: yeah I feel like so often as adults we don't think to tell our kids about the things that are going on in our lives But um, that's a much more interesting conversation than just talking about pick up your clothes. But to tell them about the situations going on at work, you mentioned being interested in their interests. Yeah. Um, You can also tell them about your interests and the things that are exciting and important to you. For sure. And that can stimulate good conversation with them.
1: That's one of the most fun things about kids getting older is that your interests start to merge. And you don't have to play trains on the ground. I mean, who's interested in playing trains on the ground, right? Like nobody. (laughs) But, you know, maybe you're interested in mountain biking. And how fun is that if your kid can come out and mountain bike with you? You know, way more interesting than trains. So, you know, really take advantage of some of those opportunities to introduce them to to your sphere and the things you love. It's a Uh, Mm win-win. The other thing, though, is really remembering that they're also their own people. They're going to be different than you were and different than you are, and one of the things that I think kids despise is when parents want them to have their experience, you know? Like they were on the football team, or they were the star of the musical, and so, you know, how come you're not involved like I was?" Or, you know, "Why aren't you going out every night of the weekend to bite? You know, by sophomore year, I had tons of friends. We were doing fun things. Why don't people do fun things anymore? You know Those types of conversations are certainly not helpful in building connection with each other.
0: Yes. Honoring who they are, not expecting them to be who you were. And I think that can get, if you are trying to empathize with them, you can quickly turn to be all about you, which is not right. what you want either. It's like you said for the takeaway, listen, listen more. And, yes. and, and then you can share, but listen most of all. Um, and I did have a question. How do you, how would you suggest genuinely engaging in their interest if it really like you really aren't feeling it personally because I feel like teens probably have the best like BS meter of like anybody in the world (laughs) and so they know they know when you're pretending you're faking it or so how do you genuinely um, start to care about what they care about do you have any suggestions for that
1: Well, sometimes it might be impossible depending on what they're into. For instance, um, my oldest likes Fortnite and I see no value in Fortnite, but I see a lot of value in him and who he is. And so one of the ways that I connect instead of connecting, you know, with the game, because I personally cannot do it. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing that, I make sure that he knows that I love him. I'm crazy about him. I am excited for him. I cheer him on in all the things that he does. But this is a really just barely happened example. So he's been earning some money through working and um, he wanted me to help him get money out of the bank so he could go buy this microphone for the Xbox. I really don't think it's worthwhile to spend money on a microphone for the Xbox. But and as I was going into my lecture mode, instead, I said, you know what? I'm really proud of you that you earned this money. And that's the fun thing about having your own money is you get to decide what you spend it on. And I was really proud of myself because I wasn't like, yay, Fortnite, let me watch you play for the next hour and a half, which some people do, right? In order to build that connection. But instead I was validating who he was, what he was doing and saying, yeah, everyone needs some downtime. Everyone needs a hobby that's a little bit mindless. I'm glad you can pay for it on your own now. This is awesome. So I don't know if that's the perfect way to do it, but um, if it's really something that you're having a hard time getting into, making sure that your child knows that you love, accept, and are excited for them and about them, even though they might not be doing your favorite thing. And that's, mm. like you said, they can, they can smell BS a mile away. So <laughs> they know immediately if you like them anyway, you know, mm. so.
0: Yes. You don't have to love everything that somebody does to love them. and I Or think- even to
1: like them. Even yes. to
0: like them, yes. Which I, there is a big difference there. We, of course, we all love our kids. Our kids also want to know that we like them, and we will, and yes. we like we like spending time with them, and we like who they are.
1: Yes, and I think it's so important for them to know that. But even if they play Fortnite, sometimes, even if your daughter is super into makeup and you're a really low maintenance gal, that you still are like you know what, that's cool. I'm glad you're exploring your artistic side. Maybe you hope she doesn't wear that much makeup all the time, but it's okay because she's her and you're you, you know, and and she can feel that when you think, you know what, good for you. Keep, you know, keep exploring that.
0: Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Hatch, the ingenious smart clock that has helped over 3 million kids and parents get restful sleep. The Hatch Rest is an innovative all-in-one sleep device designed just for kids. It's both a sound machine and a nightlight that grows with your child. During the newborn stage, Hatch helps make for a soothing and comfortable sleep environment with continuous sounds like white noise, wind, rain, and lullabies. As your child grows, Hatch allows toddlers and big kids to build sleep independence with customized color and sound cues. The time for bed pairing alerts them that it's time to wind down for the night, and in the morning, their special time to rise signal helps to teach them when it's okay to get out of bed for the day, keeping those early risers in bed a little longer. This was a lifesaver for me when my kids were younger, and I also used this feature to help them stay in their bedrooms for a daily quiet time after they gave up their naps around age 2 or 3. They learn to play quietly in their rooms for an hour or two in the afternoon so I can have a break, and the visual cue on the Hatch Rest Clock lets them know when quiet time is over. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners up to 15% off your purchase of a Hatch Rest and free shipping at hatch.co slash 3 30 So if you're ready for improved sleep for your kids and yourself, go to hatchhatchco slash 3 and thirty to get up to 15% off and free shipping. That's hatch.co slash 3in30. And beginning tomorrow, July 11th, napping on the go is simple with Hatch's new portable kids' sound machine, The Rest Go. Be sure to check it out at hatch.co slash 3in30. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Parenting is humbling. Would you agree? (laughs) In today's interview, we're talking about parenting teens, and I love Brooke Romney's insights about how to talk with your teens instead of at them. If you're raising teens, I think therapy would be really helpful as you navigate all the decisions and conversations that come with that phase of life. Meeting with a therapist has helped me practice trusting myself in the decisions my husband and I need to make for our family. As we get closer and closer to entering those teen years in my own home, I'm grateful for the skills I've learned through therapy and through great guests from this podcast. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your unique schedule, all done online. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. They also offer therapy for teenagers, so if one of your kids needs support, this might be a good place to start. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash 3in30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, slash 3in30.
1: Okay, my second takeaway is to elevate your conversation. I think sometimes teens don't engage with us because we are bad at conversation. Um, we ask the same questions and, you know, we say, how was your day? Or or we go like to the really probing questions like, why didn't you sit with so-and-so at lunch? Or why do you have two missing assignments still? And so we need to realize that they're growing up and they're ready for more than those basic, everyday, boring questions. Hmm. I One of my kids took a class called Current Events when they were in like seventh or eighth grade. And they're coming home and they're talking about The Holocaust, they're talking about abortion, they're talking about white supremacists. And I'm like, whoa, wait, (laughs) wait, wait. Like, how did we get from be nice to your neighbor to white supremacists? Like, I'm not ready for this. Um, And I didn't think he was ready for it. And then I started thinking about things and I thought, okay, these kids go to middle school every single day where they are hearing about active shooter drills. Mm. They have Classmates who have died from suicide. People are texting. People are vaping. There's pornography and sexualized images in their world all of the time. And this is what they deal with when they leave. And then they come home and I'm like, hey, how was your day? You know, like, so who are you going to play with this afternoon? And it's like, okay, mom, like, I just feel like there's a really big disconnect from there to home. Mm. And so I think we need to get a lot more real and comfortable about tackling issues that feel relevant and important to them and being okay with that. And you know what, Rachel, it's such a hard step, especially with that first child, mm. because you want to keep them young and innocent and loved forever and ever. But you're just basically, I feel like a lot of parents put blinders on and pretend like nothing bad happened. They don't have to deal with any of that. But what it what's happening is they're dealing with it and they're dealing with it all by themselves instead of with their parents by their side. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important for us to get to get real and to allow them to have those types of conversations at home.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite things that you do on your Instagram page, which is Brooke Romney Writes. Yes. Press, yes. Is you have a series called Teen Talk Tuesday, where you give some really great topics. Like you, you'll bring in current events or different things and encourage parents to talk to their kids about it. So tell us a little bit about that series and what inspired it and how parents can use it to elevate the conversations with their teens in their homes.
1: Well, I'm glad you love it because I love Teen Talk Tuesday. Um, And like you said, it's just it's a topic and it's usually pulled from the headlines and whether it's a current event or maybe like something that would improve your life, like we did one on sleep and we did, but we also did one on um, the immigration caravan. So we've done, I do lots of different types of things, but I basically summarize the topic really, really quickly and then give you really good questions to ask your kids. And the important thing about this is that you are engaging each other in a different, higher conversation that feels really relevant and smart and important to your kids. One of the things I try to do is I really do my best to bring out both sides of an issue So it's not a time to indoctrinate your kids with your political ideas and beliefs, but it's a time to ask them questions and hear how they feel about certain things. Mm -hmm. And so it's been really amazing um, for our family and for a lot of families um, to have just something once a week where you can engage on a different level with each other. And I think what many parents have found is their kids are craving this type of interaction with them. And they're also creating knowledge, information, um, and a new way of looking at things. They feel really smart and empowered when they know what's going on in the world and when they have an opinion about something. One of my favorite stories about Teen Talk Tuesday, I have this mom who went, who messaged me and she said she has a really awesome son who's 12 years old and they've always had a great relationship. But in the last year, he's sort of just kind of clammed up. He doesn't really talk to her anymore. He's a great kid doing all kinds of great things. but said, our relationship is just blah. And she said, we'll ride in the car and neither one of us will say anything. And she's like, it just makes me sad. And she, she said, we were um, sitting at like somewhere the other day and it was silent. And she just turned to him and she said, so what do you think about them spending all that money on rebuilding the Notre Dame Cathedral, which was one of our Teen Talk Tuesdays that week? And he looked at her and perked up and he had all these ideas. And she's like, we had our first real conversation in so many months, and it was so exciting. Oh, I love and that. And so, well, just just try. I just, you know, for parents who are frustrated, just try. Just see if it do things up for you.
0: That's so great. So everyone, go follow Brooke Romney writes on Instagram, um, and you can see those posts and get ideas for talking to your kids. And even if you don't have Instagram, you can do this yourself. You can. Look at current events, things going on in the world, topics that are important to you and ask your kids about them and ask their opinion as well. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: it's not. And, and you know, the nice thing about this is it starts to become a habit. You know, you read something and you instead of just thinking about it yourself, you engage your kids. And, you know, it's it's a wonderful way to create some much deeper connections with our teenagers. So my third and final takeaway is Mm -hmm. hold the judgment of them and others. This is hard. And probably for most people, there will be some really difficult moments because that's the way teenagers are supposed to be. Even the very best teens do dumb things and they make mistakes. The goal is not to avoid these difficult moments because that's impossible. But the goal is to keep a relationship before, during, and after these moments. To me, that is the definition of teen parenting success. So sometimes we have to say, okay, we're going through something really difficult, but I'm holding on to that relationship. And one of those ways um, to do that is to really hold the judgment of them and others. And when we talk about holding judgment of others, your teens are listening to you all of the time. They're taking notes mentally about the way you feel about them and about the way you might feel about them. And so when you hear about something bad that someone's done, which you will because teenagers actually sometimes do like to tell you about the bad things that are going on with other people. And so um, you have to show grace for the faults of others.
0: Because and, and I feel like the point that you made here when I read this in your outline, I'm like, this is huge. When you show grace with the faults of others, your kids realize you'll show grace with their faults and and the opposite. When you are judging and talking badly about others, your kids realize that that's how you might feel about them if they make a mistake.
1: And I think that they are much more aware than we realize. And so it is just so important um, to do that. And I know I'm going to just give an example. So your son comes home and tells you, sorry, I always use son because I don't have daughters, but this works for, <laughs> for this works for your for your daughters too. So he comes home and he tells you that so-and-so got not cheating today. And so a lot of us like to react like, oh my word, you know, like, what was he thinking? Like, why would he cheat? You know, and you just go off, right? Because you're trying to cement in their mind, like, do not cheat, do not cheat. And I, and it's really natural to do it that way. But also, what you're saying to your child is like, I don't have any tolerance for someone who breaks a rule or makes a mistake, like they're a bad person, you know. And so instead, Something you could say to show grace would be, he must be feeling a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. Or I wonder if he just didn't feel prepared and was super worried. Do you ever feel that way? So can you see like how different the conversation would be? So different. And how different the feelings would be if you said that instead of some really harsh judgmental, you know, words. And so then you have the chance to engage with your child and you can talk about like, Either, yes, I do feel pressure all of the time. Like, I'm really worried about my grades. And you think, oh, okay. You know, just so you know, I would rather have you get an honest B than a cheating A. you know? Or if you're struggling and you're feeling a lot of pressure, like, do we need to get a tutor? Is there anything we can do to change your schedule? Are you overscheduled? Or do you like the pressure? Are you enjoying the pressure? Do you thrive on pressure? And you're okay with it, you know? And you won't be someone who cheats because of pressure. It's just such a different feeling. Um, When you give grace to other people, your children understand that you will also give grace to them because the hard truth is at some point they're going to need it from you.
0: That's so true. We are all, and not just them, we as adults, we all make mistakes. We all need grace. And I thought that, that something you could say to your kid is, oh, that was that, that was a bad choice, but he's still a really good kid, or yeah. I still really love him, um, even though he made that choice. You know, we all make mistakes, that kind of thing. Totally. Oh, I think shows a lot of grace. And, and I also feel like what you're saying here is to use that experience as a conversation starter. So it goes back to your second takeaway there of um, use it as an opportunity to elevate your conversation and talk about not about the kid who made the mistake but about the topic and right, um, right. why why do you think someone would choose to do that? And what can we do in our family to try to avoid that? And how do you feel about this topic? You know, and so it just, like you said, engage through it and talk about the, you know, about the issue instead of talking about the other teen.
1: Right, right. And, you know, engaging through the hard moments and, you know, Rachel, we've had a lot. <laughs> we've had a lot of hard moments and you need to build a relationship. Early on so that when something happens, you're their first call, not the call they want to avoid Mm -hmm. and not the first call because they know you're going to just figure it out for them, but their first call because you are their support system and they know you can walk through that with them.
0: And they know that you like them. Going back to that takeaway, you love them and are willing to tolerate their mistakes because you like them and love them. Yes, I'm so grateful to Brooke for sharing her wisdom with us, and I absolutely love her encouragement to look for and point out the good in our teens. I think this is such a great reminder for all of our relationships. To recap Brooke's three takeaways for connecting with teens, remember, first, lecture less and listen more. Compliment your kids, get excited about the things they're excited about and validate what they're going through. Second, elevate your conversation. Instead of asking, how was your day? Get comfortable with tackling real-world issues that feel relevant and important to them. And third, hold the judgment of them and others. When you show grace with the faults of others, your kids will realize that you'll show grace with their faults as well. I wanted to let you know that since this episode originally aired, Brooke has released an incredible resource for families with teenagers called 52 Modern Manners for Today's Teens. She's now released two volumes of this amazing tool, and I want to read you what her website description says about it. Do you wish there was a better way to connect with your teen? Are family dinners silent? Does your teen struggle with social norms? Are you worried that you aren't teaching your teens all they need to know before they leave the house? When you try to teach, do your teens get offended or take it personally? 52 Modern Manners for Today's Teens is a simple, inexpensive solution that guides parents and adds connection to your family so your teens can live a more successful life. This book doesn't teach old-school manners, but the more current, nuanced manners that set people up for fulfillment in relationships, school, work, and life. Things like nothing online is private, the way you smell matters, don't leave just one person out, pitch in, introduce yourself, and so many more. The innovative design is a stand-up, flip calendar with the main manner on the front and more details on the back. It serves as a visual reminder all week of how to interact and allows more stubborn teens to learn casually on their own. The manners are short, direct, and to the point and include the why behind each one. These books have changed over 100,000 families and classrooms, and if you give them a try, I think you'll discover the reason. So many parents can't wait to recommend them to all their friends. End quote. I love this resource for families, and I also wanted to make sure you know that Brooke is releasing a new volume of the series called 52 Modern Manners for Today's Kids, so targeted for a slightly younger age demographic, and that will be releasing in the next month or so. I'll include the link for all of that in the show notes, and I hope you'll check out Brooke's work if you need more support and ideas for parenting teenagers with love and connection. As always, please know that I'm rooting for you, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.